nowadays especially, what's more important to be able to laugh, you know? Without that kind of release valve, I think I literally think I would go crazy. I would lose it. I'd lose my marbles. Welcome to the 8020 Endurance Podcast. We have Mark Remy on the show today, and I'm your host, Hannah Hunstead. And I'm your other host, Matt Fitzgerald. Yes, Mark Remy, we're big fans of this character. has been someone I've been following for a long time. He used to write for Runner's World magazine. He's just kind of like a, a running media guy, though listeners will learn that he does not actually consume running, running media, but uh, like just brilliant, talented, deserves all the attention he gets and more. Yeah, super honest, like dry sense of humor, just tells it like it is basically our ideal guest. But as Matt said, he definitely takes the role of the man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz-esque for Dumb Runner, and doesn't really market himself a lot either, relies on like the support of his audience, which is growing and rightfully so. But if you do want to support Mark and you enjoy this episode, you can do that by going to dumbrunner.com support, and you can choose a monthly pledge, donate via PayPal or Venmo, or buy some awesome merch. Matt, I know your favorite shirt because you wear it like three times a week. Not is three the... times. <laughs> I swear it's on, a, it's on a once a week rotation at a minimum, but it is, it is a good shirt. It yes. is your favorite. It says jogging on it. That just encompasses his sense of humor. So if you do want to support him, you can do that by getting yourself Matt's favorite t-shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do try to build up Mark Remy because I kind of wish I was Mark Remy, to be honest. He gets to be funny and he's a creative person who is in the running domain. I, I consider myself a creative person who's in the endurance sports domain, but I don't get to be funny all that often. and. I feel like I do have a sense of humor that's just lying latent deep inside me. And, and so like in an alternative life, I would be Mark Remy. Yes. Well, we're starting to see more of that. If you didn't catch our swim race video on Instagram, shameless plug for that. I thought that was hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> so your humor is coming out in some way. In watch some way out. Will. <laughs> watch out. Don't don't encourage me. Yeah, Mark, watch out. You got some competition coming. If consuming dumb runner content doesn't help you be a better athlete, Inside Tracker can. Wow. Our- <laughs> that was that was a next level segue, but go with it. <laughs> We're going with it. Inside Tracker, in all seriousness, has definitely helped me in my performance as an athlete. Things I didn't know that are happening inside of my body, I learned through a simple blood draw. So learn more about them at the link in our bio. And then a big thank you to all of you for listening to the podcast. And if you've got two seconds, give us a rating. Five stars would be appreciated. But uh, we do love honesty. So if you, <laughs> if you have some comments, leave a review as well. What the hell's happening inside your body? it's for me to know (laughs) enjoy the episode everyone mark remy welcome to 8020 endurance the podcast that's 80 percent tongue-in-cheek and 20 percent tongue-in-the-other-cheek thanks for being here man thanks for having me mark we're so pumped to have you i hope this is a comedic episode we've had some pretty serious guests in the past with a lot of knowledge oh wait to put them under the fire right away just right (laughs) off the bat 
<laughs> not to say that you don't have that. So but... yeah, you've had guests with knowledge. Now you have me. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and you'd I, better I perform. I get it. I, this this had better be funny. I you know I, I know my role. I've I've made peace with that. I'm okay. I mean, yeah. Come on, when you when you're the man behind Dumb Runner, you have to you have to assume that when you're on a podcast, this is what we expect from you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yes, the man behind Dumb Runner. You have an Instagram, a Twitter, one post today that I actually laughed out loud at. Um, I'm gonna read it off here. What do you mean, actually? Yeah, actually, <laughs> come on. He's he's actually funny. Oh. Actually, well, you know how some people say, "Oh, like I laughed at this." Like it was an audible laugh by myself no, I, in my I, studio I apartment. You. you know. I'm okay. Having okay. some fun. Having some fun. <laughs> okay, so the tweet was. Man can't remember last time wife initiated a run. And it's like him sitting in his bed. And he just looks so disappointed, like contemplating divorce. And then the wife in the, in the background just soundly sleeping. And I just loved that. You, you, have, you sort of have to see the stock photo to get the full yes. effect. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll insert that tweet in the show notes for everyone's enjoyment. But apart from your hilarious tweets, you also have some great comics. And I would love to act one out right now. And I know this is going to be kind of weird because people are listening to this audio version. But I do have a liberal arts education, which bodes well for me in this scenario. You can do it. <laughs> I, can do, I can do a little bit of everything. So we're going to act one out right now and mark mark you're the police officer in this scenario is that correct here we go i'm gonna tee it up for us there's a woman in the car and there's a police officer at her window and i am the woman in the car here we go morning officer was i speeding you wear you have a 26.2 sticker on your car ma'am yes why i ran your plate you entered one marathon in 2014 and dropped out at mile 15. <laughs> I can explain. Step out of the vehicle, please. That's <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, too good. It's too good. Yes. Okay. I think here's my theory. I'm going to present a theory uh, about why you're funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think, I, I think like I, the reason for me as a fan, like that you're so, that your s- satire is so consistently on the mark. You, you've found this perspective where you're half insider to running and you know everything about it and you speak to runners as a runner, but you've got this other perspective simultaneously that is half outside of running, like almost like an alien you know, ethnographer who's descended to earth and like is studying this running culture is like <laughs> WTF. <laughs> like, what is up? Uh, like, is that? I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. And in fact, the last book that I wrote and I've been meaning for years to write another book and I just haven't, that's another story. But the last book that I did write and publish was Runners of North America. And it was it, it was kind of what you're getting at, which it was uh, like me as an ethnographer, anthropologist kind of guy, you know, studying different kinds of runners as like species and subspecies. And right. Stuff. As far as I can tell, it completely flopped. <laughs> the, the book did that, is which which is puzzling because I, I would thought it was like what, maybe my best book. I had such high hopes for it. Yeah, I kind of languished, but that that was the whole point of, of of that book. And it's you know, it's the point of a lot of stuff that I do is trying to like keeping one foot in the camp of, you know, running insider kind of person and another foot 
as like outside observer kind of kind of person commenting on that other world. Just to follow yeah. up yeah. on that, like, do yeah. you do you feel and just be honest, do you feel <laughs> like a genuine kind of tribal affinity to you know your fellow runners, and at the same time, like a genuine disdain for your fellow runner? <laughs> <laughs> Disdain is such an ugly word. I prefer contempt. Uh, no, of course not. Of course not, of course not to the latter. I, I, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so that, was, that, was, that was a no. That's a um, little disappointing, I, actually. Because like, I, I, yeah. I, I enjoy feeling disdained by you. So you're underselling. <laughs> well, there's a lot to, lot to unpack there, Matt. Um, maybe that's between you and your therapist. But I... I I, I can't speak to that. Maybe it's the case that a lot of runners, maybe most runners, have a kind of self-loathing thing going on subconsciously. Like, they kind of know how ridiculous some of the stuff is that they <laughs> indulge in. I can only speculate. To kind of go back to your first point, I, I certainly feel a kind of tribal affinity with other runners. You know, when, when you've been doing it and enjoying it for as long as I have, it's kind of hard not to. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people who feels that runners in general are some of the, you know, finest, most decent folks you can hope to meet you know Amen. i'm kind of i'm kind of corny that way yeah i i i do feel an affinity with 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 other runners um of course that doesn't preclude me from from poking some fun at some of the more ridiculous aspects of of what we do you know clearly not and, and that's not that's that's hardly unique to running and runners i mean you, know, you could take any kind of any kind of pastime or athletic endeavor or you know you name it and there's going to be a certain degree of self-serious you know earnestness happening that's just kind of <laughs> crying out to be, yes. <laughs> to be ma made fun of i mean you know and it, in my experience too runners for the most part are are more than willing to look at you know to look at that kind of thing and and have a laugh along with me and with with the other folks laughing for the most part <laughs> yeah. i think that i think the trick is not to oh boy not to veer into mean-spiritedness yes. or something like outright disdain or something. I think my stuff performs best and resonates the most when I find a place that is, oh boy, how, how should I put this? Where it's kind of making fun of something that everyone already kind of knows is absurd, yes. you know, and that no one can take too personally. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Even if that involves a little bit of self-deception, kind of like chuckling at something like, well, I'm glad I'm not that guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you sure? <laughs> You sure you're not that guy sometimes? Maybe you are. But uh, I try to keep it all in good fun. Where did you get the inspiration to even start this? And what was your first channel, social media channel? What was the very first Dumb Runner content? Oh, God. Okay, so just to start at the beginning, I assume by this you mean Dumb Runner? To start Dumb Runner, where was the inspiration? Yes. Uh, man, it was, you know, so... Backing up, I did a daily humor column for runnersworld.com back when I was with Runners World. And I did that for like, I me like seven years or something, which still amazes me. Um, and then I stop and think I've done Dumb Runner now for five plus years. It's just kind of blows me away. Cause I keep, I keep thinking like, you know, and this was true like back in the, in the Runners World days, like in the first year or so I was doing this, having fun with it and thinking like, I can never keep this up for a whole year or you know, another whole year. I'm going to run out of ideas. And so far, I don't think I have it. So it's like, you know, Runner's World plus Dumb Runner is going on 12 years now. I'm like, oh my, how much material can there be? Not They're giving you a lot to work with. I huh? suppose so. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not answering your question, though. So I, the inspiration for Dumb Runner came at near the tail end of my tenure at Runner's World. My contract was up at the time, and I had been working as a contractor for Runner's World since moving from Emmaus, Pennsylvania, out here to Portland, Oregon. When I left the office, I became a contractor and that kind of thing, which was great. And I was kind of doing the columns, some other things, and some magazine features. And that kind of started to peter off after a while, partly just kind of burnout, partly just a bunch of fact. And eventually, Runner's World, and actually Rodale, the parent company, was up for sale, and it got bought by Hearst Media. So there was that whole thing going on. And sort of like in the middle of all that kind of flux, I just decided to kind of like step away from Runner's World and launch my own thing, which I'd kind of been toying with for a while. And that thing was Dumb Runner, you know, and I figured I'd been doing it for a while and I thought I was pretty good at it and enjoyed it. So why not have my own thing and be my own boss and no one can tell me what to publish and what not to, for better or for worse. I can be my own editor and uh, with all the, the thrills and chills that entails. So I just did it. And the very first piece of content... I honestly can't remember what the very first thing was. I, oh, I, I can, I can I'll tell you. I'll have to go back in the archives for this. Yeah, well, I can tell you. I can tell you that one of the first things that I published was was penis related, and I don't want to get into it now. But it was like a little a bit on the risque side. You really came out with a bang. You were like, "I'm my own editor. Yeah. Here we go." <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I can finally write that penis article I've always wanted to write. Um, and I did. I, I can't tell you, like, with anything that I think this is true across the board of writers in general. You know, when I look back on some of the earlier stuff that I wrote, this includes Dumb Runner. I get, I'm kind of like, a, boy, that kind of, that's, that's awful or that's terrible. I shouldn't have published that or it is what it is. And today it's five plus years later and still going for now, at least. Yeah, yeah. Th- you know, that, that intrigues me, that, that power move you made. If Let's just call it that, a power move. Because I, I go fairly far back with Rodale having been a contributor to Men's Health and Runner's World and different publications and had books published through Rodale. And so I was never really on the inside. I think I visited Emmaus once. I knew a bunch of people there. There was there were relationships. And the sense I got was that it was like pretty buttoned down in terms of corporate culture. And of course, people are writing about sports and fitness, and, and so there's got, it had to be fun. People are probably generally pretty passionate about it, but that it was like, it was kind of corporate in its way. And then to leap from that to an environment where, and if the premise is wrong, I'll, you can say, but you know, to leap from that to anything goes, I am my own boss, total freedom. The only constraints are those I put on myself. What was that like? And that, was that in a sense what it was all about? Not exactly. And I will, I, I would take issue with one thing you just said, one part of your premise, which is that, that Rodeo was a corporate-like place. It wasn't in my experience. In fact, just the opposite. Not that I've had a lot of corporate business type jobs, but I've had brushes with those environments and known people who work there and everything else. I can tell you that Rodale for me was, was just an amazing place to work. And pretty much every kind of, uh, you know, hippy-dippy cliche you ever heard about Rodale and working at Rodale or Rodale Press as it was called originally was probably more or less true. You know, there was, uh, they were into recycling before anybody else and organic gardening and like people there in, in my experience generally did 
feel passionate about the things they were doing and making the world a better place and helping people live better lives. And, you know, it wasn't just rhetoric. It was, it was the real deal. And I was just, I was thrilled to, to be there. Speaking to your, your larger point, there were constraints, of course. I mean, anytime you're working for someone else, even in, a, in an environment like that one, there are guardrails and do's and don'ts, and you can't just you know publish anything you want willy-nilly, and it just doesn't work that way. Boy, that said, I still, you know, it's, I think it's, it was impossible for me to work in those environments all my professional life up until five years ago, and then all of a sudden to flip all that off with a, like a switch and say, now I can publish anything, I'll go crazy, you know? I don't think it quite worked that way for me. If anything, it made me a little more conservative maybe in what I decided to publish and what I wrote and how I wrote it and what not to write and publish. You know, Interesting. Because I knew enough about publishing and editing and all this, you know, all this stuff to know that people bitch and moan about their editors and that kind of thing. But, you know, thank God for editors. Because they save us from ourselves. They, they save you from yourselves. <laughs> they save your ass time and again. They, you know, they, you know, the writer's role is to kind of like push boundaries sometimes. The editor's role is to establish those boundaries and yes. enforce them and remind writers why they're there in the first place. Very true. So, you know, even if it's unconscious when you're working for someone else that, that you're working with a net, you know, and suddenly that net's gone and you're up on this high wire thinking like, it's all on me, you know, I, more than, yeah, more than, more than once I've had like, like I have this master monster desktop sticky note on my, on my desktop computer. This guy probably like a thousand ideas on it. And that's kind of like where I dump all my ideas and they kind of like marinate there and some get moved up and some don't and others get deleted after a day or a week or three months. And it's not that unusual for me to, to be scrolling through that list just out of boredom or something and see an old idea and tell myself, like, that's just not a smart idea. I shouldn't do that, you know, or I'll, I'm going to I'll get I'll get a lot of flack for this and rightfully so. And like and there's no good way to do this or you know, maybe this is too mean spirited. And it, it goes on and on, you know, and this includes stuff that I actually get halfway through writing sometimes and decide just to trash because like, I can't do that. I shouldn't do that. Do you have like a, like, is your wife a sounding board? I mean, do you have anyone who can assume like a part of that role? (laughs) The dog? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Bark once if this is a bad idea. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes, but not, not that often. I feel like I've developed a healthy enough sixth sense for those things by now. If, if I'm really on the fence about something, you know, I, my, my tendency is to tell myself, if I'm really this uncertain about it, I'll just trash it and move on because I can find another idea. I don't have to roll the dice with this one. You know? Well, in point of For fact, no. you haven't been canceled yet. So, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. Like, uh, <laughs> you are a successful I, self-censor. I love how you said yet. <laughs> well, there's hope for you. Yeah, we really yeah. believe in you, Mark. If you haven't, yeah. if you're well, able to tell. I appreciate that. And if and when I do get canceled, I'll uh, I'll come knocking, looking for a job. But you know, you joke, but it's true. It's like I'm not one of these folks that goes around kind of loudly bemoaning the whole cancel culture thing. And I, I think, to a large degree, that's a lot of bunk. But I think it's more about accountability and people finally realizing they can't. You can say anything you want, but you just, you can't do it without consequences, right? <laughs> right. And people equate that with being canceled, and that's not how I see it. On the other hand, especially online, it, it doesn't take much to, to set someone off if they're determined to find 
some fault with something or some offense you've committed and once there's that spark it's so it's just so easy to, to turn into a conflagration and it's something I'm conscious of for sure you know mm -hmm. I like to think it probably makes me more thoughtful and a better writer I think it's possible to be cautious and still good and sharp it's something I'm aware of for sure like like anyone this kind of sort of Damocles hanging over your head all the time mm -hmm. but yeah you know yeah, with being able to post anything online, I feel like everyone kind of feels that way. This, yeah, well, you know, freedom and responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Have you ever thought about dipping a toe into maybe, let's say, I'm the triathlete on the podcast, mm -hmm. so dumb triathlete? Uh, no, although... I would caution you from, from, from some of the triathletes that I've met. Yeah, very yeah, serious. yeah. Um, I, well, I did. I did recently post a satirical thingy about Iron Man finishers. I don't know if you saw that one. Did you not see that one? I haven't. Oh, I haven't. But I, I think will you'll look probably like it. Uh, but as far as a whole website devoted to that, no. I have been catching myself recently thinking about branching into like cycling because I, I started my athletic mm, life as a cyclist, even better, and I'm getting back into it now and. You know, as we all know, cyclists are renowned for their healthy sense of humor about themselves, right? Yes. Uh, anyway. Um, no, but I, I, don't, I don't think... Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm surprised anyway. I didn't think of that. That's the obvious next step, not triathletes. Go directly to the cyclists. Yeah, they... They love to laugh at themselves. <laughs> yes, like, um, they, they sure do. Yeah, I, I made an illusion not too long ago in one of my quick tips graphics that I do sometimes about how running winners can be a cyclists, and it kind of makes that very joke. And people read it and were like, Ooh, you know. Um, incidentally, <laughs> as we were as we were talking, I toggled over and found that headline, and the headline is Iron Man finisher goes five days without mentioning it, shattering previous shattering previous record. And, uh, that was that was a pretty popular. That was one of the most popular posts I've done in a while. Oh it did gosh. like bananas, bananas traffic. Um, uh, brilliant. So yeah. maybe you should. Like I said, maybe I should. That or maybe that would finally. Maybe that would finally do me in. I, you know, like like I said, I, I think I honestly do think that runners do have a pretty healthy sense of humor about themselves. Yes. Like, even the ones who take their running very seriously, you know, with a capital yeah. B and capital S, I think can manage to you know grin or chuckle or even laugh out loud when they see something kind of like put in a certain comical light cyclists as a group might have that quality i'm just not as convinced that they do uh, i don't i don't know i say try it i want to see it yeah i got that easy for you to say <laughs> yeah, i know i'm not the one that would get canceled <laughs> we would never i would like to role play another comic it's my turn to act i'm very very good at it i'll take any opportunity and a little backstory to this one I'm introducing. Mark calls it Data. And I absolutely love this comic, as I do most of Mark's work. But this one, I happen to be writing a book about pacing, and it you know, has themes of device over-dependency, which is like the other pandemic that's going on right now that I'm trying to do something about. And so when I saw this comic, I'm like, this, this needs to go in my book. I love it. I reached out to Mark. He was thumbs up for the appropriate fee, of course. And so this is going to appear in my pacing book. Mark, I'm going to play the role of the guy 
staring at his watch. The blonde guy is staring at his watch, not the person he's talking to in all four frames of this comic nonstop. And then, Mark, okay. you are the guy with the man bun. Go. The guy with the man bun. Yes. The role I was born to play. <laughs> and, and by the way, man bun guy is totally chill. He's got his hands in his pockets. He's Super chill. Super chill. The, the most chill. Yes. And he says, hey, how was your run? Awesome. I ran 10.3 miles at 743 pace, 28% in zone two, and 960 feet of vert. Uh, was it fun? Hmm. Doesn't say. Well, really good job, you guys. We need that. I, I messed up the number. I couldn't read the freaking number. I think uh, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm glad for this opportunity to mention my long COVID and my COVID brain, because I, I have never, I am not dyslexic, but I swear to God, like I have a mild dyslexia that is like symptom number 26 of this thing. If I, we can't go an episode without mentioning long COVID just to let you know, Mark. So if he mentions it again, that's, that's one too many. You get one, you get one per episode. Is long COVID a sponsor of the podcast? (laughs) Should be brought to you, brought to you by long COVID. So tell us about that. Actually, tell us a little bit about the process. I mean, it could either be for this uh, specific one or just as a creative person myself, but not one who could ever do what you do. I'm fascinated by like the other side of the lens, the composition of something like this, a masterpiece. You're talking like the comics per se, or like this comic in particular? Man, if there's a story to the comic, yeah. Well, I, there's not a story behind this one per se. It just takes a kind of very common trope about runners. You're devoting a book to it. You know, the whole like people are too dependent on their devices at the expense of the bigger picture things that I would argue the more important things. Usually what I do is start with a kind of nugget like that, a kind of the germ of the idea, like this universal truth or this general like broad idea or trope or belief and think of a way to literally to illustrate it like how to make that germ of a thing bigger and really make it pop how to manifest it in a in a story that just occurs over like four little frames i really enjoyed i'm i'm you know that the comics are a pretty new thing in fact just about an hour before our our um call today i finished up a comic i'm going to publish on friday yes um yeah and it's it's it, they're so fun to do if a little uh, biographical uh, background when i was a kid and i mean like five six seven years old from that age i wanted to be a cartoonist when i grew up it never happened for various reasons but kind of i'm kind of digging you know getting into this new format now and it's really i'm finding it a huge source of of relief almost and, and gratification after doing the whole i still want to call them blog posts but you know who uses that word anymore the articles for for you know the runner's world column back when i was doing that or the dumb runner stuff now which is like headline image little jokey article that's a great format and i think i've, I've had a lot of fun with that and a lot of success with it but it does have its constraints so to have something more visual like this where you can kind of compose something visually, but still has that element of writing to it. But it's such a different kind of writing. I mean, it has to be obviously shorter and punchier. There's no room for for fat or extraneous anything. So that presents its own challenge. In a weird way, it's kind of like solving a puzzle, you know? And I'm a big like puzzle person myself, like word puzzles. So it's really 
interesting. You've heard about being in the zone, right? Like this, you're like in you know the state of flow. I'll occasionally still get that when I'm writing something, but every single time with these comics and yeah. this stuff, Fridays, Fridays will be the 24th comic already, which is hard to believe. Every single time with those comics, I get, I have this process down, I find the images, I do this, I do that, I color, I, you know, arrange and do like, I'm so like time stops and I'm so immersed in it in such a groovy way. I'm like, oh, this is great, man. I could do this all day. It's just, is cannabis really involved fun. at all in this mental, <laughs> mental state? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not. Although we're here in Portland, where uh, it's it's not that. Um, oh, no here we go. Now that, more, now that more and more states are legalizing it, right? But but I gotta say, man, in Portland, cannabis stores are like Starbucks. It's like there's one in every corner. <laughs> but no, this is yeah, this is this is own high, Matt. It's right. a natural oh, high. Good man. Yeah, Impressive. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of coffee, though. I, I'm, I'm a big caffeine. <gasps> Horrors. Yeah. Um, not sure if I answered your question, but I don't know. Yeah. I was entertained, like until you just ruined <laughs> we it. We were locked in. We were in the zone. Good, you're in the zone. Yeah, we're right there speaking, with you. Speaking of long COVID, I, I have to say, my wife and I were in Seattle two Februarys ago, like right before things hit, like the whole COVID thing hit. And we will never be sure, but we're, we think there's at least a 50-50 chance that we both had COVID because we got so sick after that trip. And Seattle was like one of the like, you know, ground zero kind of places in the States, right, mm-hmm. for, for COVID. And uh, man, I, I swear, I'm, yeah, it's like I, my brain hasn't really felt quite right for the past year and a half, whatever it's been. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it might just be, you know, pandemic brain in general which i think everyone probably has at this point but it's weird man interesting so we have covid to thank for the comics is maybe what you're saying again I, we'll this never podcast know. is brought to you by long covid by long covid <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes i don't know uh, i'll never know i'll never know but i i felt awful it's not fun can you talk to us yeah. a little bit about Portland and the running culture there. So I'm from the Midwest and then have lived on the East Coast, but never lived on the West Coast. And as I'm getting more into triathlon, I'm becoming more obsessed with like the Boulder, the Flagstaff, the Portland, all of these hubs for endurance sports. And what was it like moving from Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. You were in Pennsylvania to Portland where now you're just like, I've never actually been there, but... (laughs) Yeah. From my imagination, you're just immersed in coffee shops, outdoors, people are riding bikes. Cannabis. Tell us a little bit about that. Cannabis. Oh, yes, yeah. I forgot. The cannabis. <laughs> that too. We cannot It's forget. interesting. First of all, where, where are you from in the Midwest? Michigan, originally. Okay, yeah. I'm from Central Ohio, originally. Oh, nice. Um, Two peas in a pod. Yeah. So, Port- Portland is great. It's um, not without its challenges, you know, but what place isn't? It's changed quite a bit since we moved here seven years ago. But I, I remain a big a big fan of Portland and the Pacific Northwest in general and the whole vibe here. It's funny, you know, I tell people, like, I, and it's, and it's true, like, I felt more at home literally on day one in Portland than I, than I think I ever did in my actual home, hometown. It's, it's really oh, wow. weird, and I can't fully explain why, articulate why. Maybe that's part of the appeal is this kind of mystique. But it is, is. yeah, it just seems like, man, I really struggle with how to put it into words and just saying stuff like, oh, it's such a chill place or whatever, like, you know, something like that just seems inadequate. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and also kind of a cliche, but but I feel like it really is, by and large, a really accepting place. Folks just kind of do what they want to do, and no one really hassles them about it or judges them. Or the whole like keep Portland weird thing is a real thing, you know, hmm. at least to some degree still. And I respect that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So I I grew up in Central Ohio, moved to Eastern Pennsylvania. From there, lived in. Manhattan for six years, and then back to Eastern Pennsylvania, and somewhere in there lived in Vermont briefly, um, very briefly, and have traveled all over the place, running and biking and everything else. And I can tell you with with a high degree of confidence that in, in my experience, Portland at least is the most bike and pedestrian friendly place I've ever lived, that I've ever run or, or biked in or just walked around. The motorists here are, this is not universal. There are always jackasses wherever you go behind the wheel, you know, and like road rage and all sorts of, I mean, I've had my fair share, trust me. But by and large, motorists here will, will stop to let you cross a street, you know, <laughs> even if they don't, even if it doesn't appear that they have to. By stale, all they do have to, but a lot of people ignore that. They're very deferential to, to pedestrians and cyclists and that kind of thing is my point more so than any other place I've been. So that's that's good. That's cool. It's a beautiful place. I still get a thrill every time I'm running or biking or whatever and just kind of like glance in one direction and see Mount Hood in the distance, kind of like peeking up on a clear day. I'm like, wow, that's just amazing, man. We're close to the ocean. The Oregon coast is breathtaking. It's just, I don't know, it's all good stuff. So I had to being there did or did moving there mm-hmm. and being around more... Of the endurance sport. Oh, right. That was your question, wasn't it? The running scene. Did that inspire you? Yeah. Yeah. Did that inspire your work? Oh, it inspired my work. I thought you were going to say it inspired me to run more. The answer was no. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we can talk about your personal running, too. That's not Portland's fault. That's my fault. I'm just getting old and burned out. Did it inspire my work? Well, yeah, of course, in the sense that it's a a great place for running. And I I did run here and, and do run here. And anytime I run, even if it's by myself, it's a reliably good way to generate ideas. Mm-hmm. Like on a, on a good run, when things are really clicking, I'll either think of things, like things will just kind of like bubble up in my head, or I'll see or hear something that'll spark an idea, or I'll have a conversation with a running partner that will spark an idea. And by the time I get home, I'll have like, you know, two or three or four ideas to jot down before I, before I forget them for possible posts or whatever you know so yeah that's, so you gotta buy a pa- another pack of post-it notes exactly that's for right. every run yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah it's it's inspirational in that sense for sure mark i'm, I'm interested yeah. in knowing what kind of running media you yourself consume and also how you feel about the current running media landscape i will say as a consumer yeah. myself of running media I, I become very attached to quality and I don't really care where I find it or what form it takes. And that is why I am wearing one of your t-shirts right now. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Jogging nice. for those, for those who are seeing the video, but yeah, I just, you know, I feel that, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot out there and not mm-hmm. all of it is quality. I naturally become a booster of stuff like yours. And stuff that's not at all like yours, but is also like really good and deserves to be noticed. Where are you with running media today? Oh, so this is going to be a total bust of an of a 
of a Q&A here, uh, but I really don't consume You're tuned out. media at all. <laughs> I kind of I kind of am. Can I be honest? Like even when I was immersed in that world, when I was like working at Runner's World magazine, the biggest running brand on the planet, even back then I didn't follow the stuff obsessively. I was like, I mean, I I did of course because it was my job to do that, and a lot of it got filtered through my own brain just in the in the course of of my work. But I've, yeah, even when I was like really fairly hardcore about, about running and racing and training, I never really geeked out on following big races or like doing deep dives into research and training news and all that kind of stuff. I just, this is I just very didn't. And I, revealing. Very and revealing. I suppose so, yeah. And that didn't do a lot for my, for my imposter complex which i have always had like i'm such a yeah and duly so Um, it would seem (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, you've been exposed what are you gonna do about it now (laughs) what are you gonna do about it now it's too late (laughs) yeah it's funny i can't explain it i really can't most of the media that i consume now is just it's just kind of general media so it's mostly news and and so on i love reading the atlantic and the new yorker i just resubscribed to new york magazine because i miss new york so much i still appreciate and consume quality media for sure i've been a new yorker subscriber for years now and but as far as like running specific stuff yeah i was never that that really did you watch the olympics mark it's funny you should ask. I didn't. I didn't. And that very question. Oh dear God. That very. No, We're no, done. no. This is a. This is a perfect example. This, this, this crystallizes the whole conversation you were having. I didn't. And a lot of people, neighbors or acquaintances here in the neighborhood, see me out and say, "Hey, you watching the Olympics?" And I have to like, you know, rub the back of my neck and say, "Like, oh, not really." You know, I. Because I feel like I should be into the Olympics. And I just, I, I never really have been. I can't explain why. Maybe I'm like missing a gene or something. I just don't really, I, I, I get the appeal. I understand why other folks are like into them and wake up at 4 a.m. to see whatever final, you know, with the time difference. And it was, that was just, that's never really been me. I can't explain why. I think it I actually know. is a missing gene. It's very likely a missing gene. It might be. I've never been into <laughs> sports either. Like, you know, so people here, here from Ohio are like, Oh, so you're a Buckeyes fan? You know, you Browns or Bengals? And I'm like, I, you know, that's football, that's right? Funny. You know, yeah, it was yeah. like I just don't, I just don't care. I never have, I never have. Nothing against those things. I just right never on. have been into them. Right so, on. what can I tell you? So now I, now I have to ask the question: If you, oh, no. let's say you were <laughs> not the creator of Dumb Runner, right? And you don't cons- and you, you are who you are. You don't consume really any sports media right. at all. It yeah. seems like. Right. Would you enjoy Dumb Runner? Like, would you consume <laughs> your own media? So, like, if I, well, hmm. we're role playing. But here. I'm still, am I still a runner in that in that role playing scenario? Yes, I think so. Okay, so let me let me backtrack just a little bit, backpedal maybe I should say, just just a bit. I guess I I do sort of consume running media secondhand. You know what I mean? Yep. Because I am on, you know. Twitter and Facebook and so on. Lord help me. I, I kind of have to be there for, for these reasons. Otherwise, I'd like to think I'd be off it because it's just horrible sometimes. But mm-hmm. I am on those platforms and I do scroll around and see what other people are tweeting and retweeting. I, I kind of have my finger on the pulse in a loose kind of sense because I have to. So this is a great example. So the Chicago Marathon just yesterday, I believe, announced that for this fall's race, 
they were requiring runners be vaccinated or have a negative COVID test within 72 hours pre-race. Are you guys aware of this? Have you seen this news? Mm-mm. Nope. I actually wasn't, and I'm a Chicago resident. Well, so I'm well, well. Oh, now look who's not consuming running media. I know. Okay. Zing. Okay. The tape. The tables have turned. I had to say it. So, I didn't want you to feel like you were the only okay, one. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, that. So this is a good example because I I did see that via some tweets. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, you know. And I know enough at this point about well, this is more a social media thing than a running thing. But I could predict immediately how some people were going to react to that and how ridiculous it would become and it become this whole thing. So I, I just kind of like stuck in the back of my head and within several hours, I don't know, of kind of thinking on it on and off, came up with an idea for a post that I published this morning on that very subject. So if I, if I blocked out all running media news, period, that would, I'd kind of be shooting myself in the foot. Like I, I kind of yeah. need to have some kind of supply of that just to, just to, just to be able to, to stay topical sometimes, you know, I mean, some, some of the stuff that I publish is, is pretty evergreen and some of it is perishable. Like it has to do with mm-hmm. like something that just happened in the news or something people are talking about today. So yeah, to get that latter kind of material, I definitely need to pay attention, you know, in spite of myself. Okay, but back to my question. Oh, you have a question in there? Oh, would I say, yeah, right. Would I still enjoy it? I like to think so. Yeah, if I were a runner, because, well, first of all, like I said, a certain percentage, probably a large percentage, actually, of what I of what I publish on the site is pretty generally, oh boy, applicable to, I mean, like, if you're a runner, even if you don't, if you, even if you're not on social media, if you never really do races, or even if you like run by yourself all the time, I think you can appreciate a good runners have horrible feet kind of joke or so, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that, like the Iron Man thing that I just, the headline just read a few minutes ago. Like, you know, I think anybody who's ever been in a room with an Iron Man finisher can probably see that, that headline alone, you know, and especially the very serious stock photo that goes with it of the guy like staring at the camera. Okay. We'll see that and have a chuckle, right? I would like to think that I would, I would, I would still appreciate it. So, so Mark, the contract you signed with us required us to mention at some point during the interview that you've run a 246 marathon. So I'm just taking care of that. Uh, so your lawyer. Yes. Uh, yeah. And the, the fine print in that contract, which I stipulated, was to mention that it's from 1999. So that is an old, that is an old, old <laughs> Hey, PR. the clock doesn't lie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it doesn't. Neither does the calendar. So <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, but yes, thank thank you for mentioning that. Right on. But I mean, you know, how how serious were you about running when you were most serious about it? I was serious enough that that 246 that I ran bummed me out because I was shooting for a 240. And I went through the half in 120. So the second half did not go well. So... (laughs) I was I was serious enough to do a 120 first half of that marathon and uh, yeah you know and fairly... now we present an 80 20 plan for Mark Remy <laughs> <laughs> yeah serious enough 28 marathons total nine nine Boston's my best Boston time was a 251 which probably was more impressive than that 246 which was on a flat course in in Columbus Ohio so you know I mean it was serious enough to really be really be into it and into pain and what was your training like i mean how how many miles did you run in a week that's a good question i think i still have some old um 
training plans, because I used to, I would print the training plan out on paper and like put it on my fridge and mark the days off and make additions. Never really been into electronic training logs. I was never a big mileage, sorry. I was never a big mileage junkie. I think probably like at my peak, my mileage probably topped out at like 80 or 85 miles a week. So not not that much compared, I mean, comparatively, I wasn't doing like 200 mile weeks or anything nuts like that. But I, I remember like having these plans that made the, the, that made the quality days really count. So there were a lot of pretty intense workouts and pretty long workouts, but total weekly mileage was never that, never that bonkers. Was it an Ambi Burfoot plan, your boss? It would, that's a good question. No, it was usually a Bud Coates plan. Do you know Bud Coates? Yes. But Bud Coates was the uh, fitness director at Rodale and himself a former elite marathoner. Great guy, wealth of information. So he yes. he was kind of the informal coach, or I guess you say formal coach for pretty much anybody at Rodale who wanted to run a race and have a training plan for it. So he was he was great that way. You were so, spoiled. Uh, you guys were spoiled. Oh, we were totally spoiled. Are you kidding? <laughs> Dang. Yeah, in, in, in lots of respects. Yeah, Bud Bud was invaluable. I remember, you know, vividly before a big half or full marathon, sitting with him in his office there in the in the in the company gym. And we sit down and review my my training and, the, you know, the, hash out a plan for race day. And you're like, okay, miles this through this, try to hit this pace, and then miles this through this. Just maintain, keep it steady, and miles here and thereafter, just, you know, go for it, basically. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was good stuff. I was totally into it. I was I was as hardcore as, as I could hope to be. But, yeah. but even back then, I didn't take myself completely seriously. I, I took the training seriously, for sure. Mm-hmm. Myself, not always so much. Right on. But it's a balance, <laughs> you know. Speaking about your training on paper, can you tell us a bit about the Dumb Runner Training Journal? Oh man! Will there be a second edition? I can I can tell you that it's badly in need of updating. Yeah, I. Boy, I <laughs> how long ago did I do? Was that like twenty sixteen? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Jeez. Ah oh, man. Yeah, it's a spiral-bound training journal. It's uh, it's you know dead tree paper style, which is how I do it. There's a picture of me making a terrible kind of race grimace on on the front. Um, oh my gosh, that's you! That's me. <laughs> that's that's me at my all. I guess I don't have a copy here in front of me anywhere within reach. That's me. That's okay. me from the. Portland. We need to do. We need to do a side-by-side photo of that picture and you on this camera because that does not look like you. Yeah, yeah, this is... I don't know if that's a compliment or not. This is your face on running marathons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The cover itself is a cautionary tale. Yeah, that that picture was from the Portland Marathon. Must have been, you know, I think I probably... Was it 2014 I did that? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, not a good picture. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh my God! What happened? Second, by that second edition. <laughs> Brought to you by Long COVID. No, um, <laughs> that's our second mention. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's 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 a training journal. It's it's kind of fun. It so it it does it is an actual training journal. It has pages for recording your workouts and notes and things like that. But it also because it's dumb runner, it also has stupid, funny, absurd kind of marginalia throughout and little tips that are awful tips and fun facts and all kinds of things like that. So it's 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 a training journal, but with a bit of fun. And I do really need to update that. <laughs> I'd probably sell more copies if I did. Like, take my picture off the cover for one thing. Add it to the post-it note list. Oh, man. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of long COVID, though, and thank you for bringing it up, 
One of the things I don't love about having long COVID uh, is that I can't run. And it actually makes me kind of feel like I'm falling out of touch with some stuff. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons I miss running, but that's definitely one of them. Back in the day, I used to... I used to use the fact that I was a writer and a coach as a reason to run. It was like a great motivator. I had a stint as a fake professional runner at age 46, you know, just so I could run up write about it. But it was a, an experience I wouldn't have had otherwise. And I'm wondering for you now, you know, your 246 marathon is long behind you and yet you continue to run. You are a creator in the running space. So does that keep you attached to running? Just like it, it's fuel for, for the muse just to, to keep getting out there and doing it? Maybe it does a bit. Um, God, as long as I just ask all the wrong questions of you. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, that was an incredibly dumb question. Oh, and here's why. Oh, Let me tell you why. <laughs> um, no, no I, I do a bit. And I certainly know what you're getting at. And there's, that's certainly a thing. I think it was, no, it was for me for a long time. It is It is less today only because, as long as we're doing confessions uh, please, during this interview, I've been running significantly less than I used to. That's for a couple of reasons. One, I kind of stopped racing. I've retired from marathoning at least half a dozen times over my, over my running life, you know, like, that's as the last does. marathon. I'm saying goodbye to the marathon. Like I'll sign up for another marathon. And, okay, now that's the last one for sure this time. Um, this time, I think it might actually be official. You know, unless uh, the example I always give is if someday my one of my kids wants to try a marathon or something, and, and I would maybe run it with them, that kind of thing. But you know, my kids are eight and eleven years old, so that's sometime in the future. But otherwise, yeah, I just I kind of had lost my zest for racing. And I can't entirely explain why. The cannabis. The cannabis, the long COVID. <laughs> it's, a whole con- it's a whole constellation of factors. And it's hard to tease them apart. Um, just getting old? I don't know. I know I just kind of lost my desire to race. And like, why am I going to pay $150 for this half marathon when I could just go out and run 13 miles hard if I wanted to? I don't need another shirt. I don't really, I don't even like take medals anymore. I just stopped accepting medals a long time ago. So it just, it just was hard for me to get motivated. And I'm certainly not going to, if, I mean, if, if I were one of those older type of runners who really gets into age group racing and placing my age group, I, I, that might motivate me, but I'm just not that kind of person, I'm afraid. I have nothing but respect for the folks who are, but it's, it's just never been my, my thing. So I've kind of reverted to cycling lately, which was kind of my first athletic love. I was a big um, road cyclist from like early high school through the way through college, past college, um, also kind of hardcore. So I've gotten more into that lately, actually. So that's kind of filled up this vacuum. These days I run maybe twice a week. <laughs> and to be honest, it's, it's for me, it's largely a social thing. I have a, a running buddy that he has young kids too. And so I don't really see him much except when we run. I, I like seeing him and chatting. Yeah, we, have, we have great conversations and solve all the world's problems and that kind of thing when we're running and vent to each other about this or that or whatever stuff is happening in our lives. And that's still amazing. I still love that. So if nothing else, that keeps me running with him, you know, once or twice a week. Very um, cool. He is, yeah, it is cool. He is, I think he is training for a marathon now 
and I'm applauding him the whole way. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to run, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to run 16 this weekend. I'm like, yeah, have fun with that. All right. Enjoy. Good luck. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll do the first four with you or whatever. But yeah, otherwise I'm on my bike a lot and really enjoying that again. So, yeah. So yeah. dumb cyclist is possibly in the future then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. As a closing segment tradition on the 8020 podcast, we ask an insanely super deep closing question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Super Very deep. Um, super deep part. Don't don't be afraid to get emotional. <laughs> whatever whatever it takes to get the answer out. No filter. Just just do it, okay? Okay, here it is. If I offered you five million dollars to go one year without laughing, would you accept? Nah. A month. No, a no, month. Well, because there's got to be some time you would go without laughing uh, for what would it take? You go from a year to a month. That's how you negotiate. I'm just saying. Like I'm just. <laughs> I mean, I'm just wondering. Never negotiate how, with Matt. Talk a, to me first. <laughs> it's an invitation be, to reflect. Like you must be a terrible haggler. Um, <laughs> one day, one week, whatever. What, what is it? Uh, I I don't know. Laughter is, you know, you could have started with this question, and we could have spent the whole hour. Talking exactly. About That's why humor, it's super deep. <laughs> humor and laughter. It really is. Like you know, no it's, pun intended. But all, but all kidding aside, like I I am I maybe more than anything, including running or cycling or whatever. I am such a deep believer in the in the the value of of humor and laughter. I think it's just as necessary as food and water and, and sleep. And, and I think and I think it often gets gets short shrift. You know, I humor is undervalued. I, everyone loves to laugh and move on. But like, for example, have you ever noticed? <laughs> do you ever notice? Like seriously, back when there were still newspapers with comics, the comics always came in back in the back of the paper, right? Like almost like an afterthought. I get a daily email from the New Yorker with like their daily sort of uh, recap email and it's full of very earnest important stories and those are great and i read those at the very bottom and i mean like the bottom bottom is the humor stuff like oh here's a cartoon here's uh, a jokey essay here's a daily shouts kind of piece you know and i think it's worth asking why is that the default why is humor always bringing up the rear or like it's less important than other stuff because i think i mean christ nowadays especially what's more important to be able to laugh you know Without that kind of release valve, I think I literally think I would go crazy. I would lose it. I'd lose my marbles. So that that's why I wouldn't take uh, any amount of money. I think to go a year without laughing. I mean, well, first of all, I don't think I could do it. So yeah, it'd be no one, no one be did. it would be pointless for me to say like I'll take that. But yes, five million dollars <laughs> for a year. Like no, I I don't think I could go for a month. I don't I don't know what the limit is, but I, I think this know. is actually a good movie premise. Let's I don't know. Let's maybe do so. It. Maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Laughter good. That's my that's my takeaway. More laughter. Well, the head of our finance department will be happy to hear that we do not owe you $5 million. So <laughs> thank you yeah. for that. Well, that's, a, that's the kind of thing you would take out like an insurance policy, right? Like a Lloyd's of London kind of thing. Like to, in mm-hmm. case whoever actually does it, you're like, oh, shit. Okay, here's your $5 million. At the end of a year, I would be like, I, I might have $5 million, but I would be a, a broken <laughs> husk of a, of a human being. So what's the point, right? <laughs> and on that note. On that note. Thank you for being our guest for this very entertaining hour. Uh, no, quite quite seriously. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan, and Hannah, thanks to me, is becoming one. Uh, a big booster. 
dumbrunning.com go there buy stuff support this important dumb runner work. yes dumb what did i say you said dumb running oh dear <laughs> and he blows the dismount the link brought will be in the show notes <laughs> brought to you by long, long covid <laughs> it's Thank my excuse for, for everything <laughs> <laughs> the jogging t-shirt is in my future i actually have it in the car right now the heather gray is uh my option oh so. well i i appreciate that and now that we're at the end and out of time i i should mention too that dumbrunner.com is uh entirely ad free no sponsors no affiliate links no anything it's completely reader supported so i depend on the kindness of strangers to help me pay my bills and pay for my time yes. so much appreciated and thanks well, for having appreciated me thanks for, for having me yes thank you so much mark be well you too hoping you had a few laughs throughout that conversation with mark matt and i definitely did and if you're enjoying what you're hearing again please rate us five stars and leave us a review and if you have any specific feedback i'd be more than open to hearing that you can email me hannah at 8020 endurance and we will chat with you guys next week bye